Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we discuss two films based on real-life murders and the subsequent criminal investigations. First up, a model is shot at a crowded bar, but none of the 300 witnesses can finger the shooter in Raj Kumar Gupta's No One Killed Jessica from 2011. Then a teenage girl is found lifeless in her bed, and everyone assumes that the family's missing housekeeper is the perpetrator, until he too is found murdered in Meghna Gulzar's Talvar from 2015. Welcome back, lovers. We have been on a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, we uh, went on an adventure to Toronto. Yes. The capital of Canada, the world, they think. <laughs> it's not It's not the, It's not. not even the capital of Canada. Otherwise. I know, but they think they are. Oh, okay. I guess it's kind of the, um, the, the industry and culture capital of Canada to a certain extent. It's a sixth of the entire country's population yeah. and a sixth of the entire economy. So... I could kind of see why. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been traveling also. So I threw my best friend to a baby shower and there's just, there's been a lot of stuff going on and you know what? Every once in a while, you just you have to take a break, Matt. And so we took a break. I think it was a bit longer than we intended to take, but here we are. We're back. We're recording a new episode. We did do some Bollywood stuff while uh, we, we were did. in Toronto. Why don't you fill in the listeners yes. on what you got up to? Uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I got the opportunity to meet Mira Nair, mm-hmm. um, who I wouldn't say is a Bollywood director, but she is... She's certainly a Hindi director. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. yeah, she's a... She's an Indian director, um, and some of her films are in Hindi. Uh, her two most notable films are Salam Bombay and Monsoon Wedding, uh, which I think are absolutely fantastic. They're just wonderful films. Um, and she was at the Tiff Bell Lightbox while we were in Toronto as part of their Books on Film series, and she was presenting her latest film, Queen of Catway. It's just a um, beautiful theater. What, five screens? Oh, and yes. just everything is immaculate. If 35 if, millimeter projector in every theater. Yeah. I think they have 70 in almost all the oh, theaters, yeah. too. Um, if we lived in Toronto, we'd be there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we would. And, uh, yeah, this presentation was uh, excellent. Her latest film, Queen of Catway, is about a... Um, Trust prodigy, uh, this young girl in Uganda who, uh, you know, from the slums, started studying chess, started playing chess, and became the youngest master of chess. Um, Lupita Nyong'o was in it, David Oyelowo. It's based uh, on real life. It's based on a true story, uh, you know, in keeping with uh, today's theme. No, it's, <laughs> there's no crime. There's no crime. Just it's about really, the furthest thing from these two movies, huh? Yeah, it's a really lovely family film. I know it's available on Netflix here in Canada. If you haven't had the opportunity to see it, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting to, to get the opportunity to, to hear... And see Marinier speak. And Did she... you ask her, like, what was it like to meet Randy Puda? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't ask her anything. Um, but I, I was happy that someone in, in the audience asked her about kind of the parallels in working with uh, street children and trying to tell their story um, in Salon Bombay and Queen of Catway. Because it mm. was certainly a, a thread that I had noticed across the two films. And she signed your ticket, too. She did, yes. And and she's just yeah she's she's wonderful yeah cool. so that was that was really 
really exciting and I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to just again to see her talk and to meet her um, I think my favorite uh, thing that came out of uh, that presentation is that uh, she talked about her son who is a rapper he does this song in uh, Queen of Catway which anyone who's heard me talk about Queen of Catway before knows how much I loved this song it's called Number One Spice and it's this rap that they do about salt um, and I, I mean, it really is the best spice, oh, right? Oh, so good. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize that it was her son who had written that song and performs it. And he is a rapper who goes by the name of Young Cardamom. Great name. Which has got to be good the greatest rap name, rap name yeah. <laughs> in Indian. I just, Young Cardamom. Yeah. So I uh, can't wait to see what, what Mira Nair does next. She talked a lot about um, uh, Mississippi Masala mm. uh, as well, which is a film with uh, Denzel Washington about... Um, an Indian family uh, who uh, leaves Uganda and then uh, their daughter falls in love with a black man um, hmm. in the States. I haven't actually seen that one, but... They um, live in Uganda, the Indian family. And then, and they, then they leave, they yeah. They move to the States. I haven't seen oh. it, so I, I hope I'm getting it correctly. Um, but I, I really want to catch up with that one now because she referenced it a lot as being, you know, kind of a... Because it was also set partly in Uganda. And, mm. so, um, and she lives there now, And right? she lives there now. She yeah. has a home there. Yes, and then we uh, saw Rapta with a friend of the show and fellow podcaster, Shah Shahid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure we will talk more about that, uh, more about the film um, at a later time. But it was great to meet Shah. Shah, yeah. if you're listening, hello. He's very cool. We went out to uh, a izakaya afterwards mm-hmm. for some Japanese food. And we went to the... Uh, Dundas Square uh, movie theater in yeah. Toronto, and yeah, um, very cool. I think it was an adventure for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd been there in a long time, so it was yeah. a, it was a cool uh, theater to go to and cool part of town. Yeah, and it, it's great to you know get the opportunity to actually talk in person with a um, with you know a fellow podcaster, but also you know I think a, a fan of the show, <laughs> someone who uh, you know just a pal is interested in Bollywood like we are. So that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. Uh, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about the movie in our next episode, I promise. But it's, uh, man, it's too bad they didn't have anything better playing. In hindsight, I really should have suggested we go to Hindi Medium. But yeah, I wanted to go see Hindi Medium. <laughs> oh, oh well, well, but I, I wanted to see Rajkumar Rao's crazy transformation. Totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. So we apologize for our absence, but uh, we're back. Yeah, you're listening to us now. Um, and as we promised at the end of our last episode, which uh, we put out about a month ago, um, we're talking about Bollywood true crime because in order to be a successful podcast these days, it seems like you should be talking about true crime. It is the most popular thing in podcasting. Yeah, there's a serial, which you listen to, and then... Uh, I think it's called Somebody Knows Something, which is one that CBC puts out. Mm-hmm. My and favorite murder. My favorite murder. A lot of people love. Yeah. I mean, I can't say between us we're super fond of the true crime podcast. Um, I know you listen to the serial, and we both listen to Karina Longworth's um, yeah. season-long thing about the Manson murders, which was pretty... It was very interesting. It was, yeah. And, and I do want to say that by no means are we trying to put down... <laughs> True crime podcast by saying we don't listen to them much. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have a really hard time with the cr- true crime genre. You don't like serial killers. I don't. I have a really hard time with serial killers. I have a. I find sometimes true crime is inherently sensationalist to mm-hmm. a certain extent, um, and no matter how 
dry your reporting is. It, it, it can't get away from being sensationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll it's like Truffaut had... in war movies, right? Exactly, yes. Um, so Truffaut famously said um, that every anti-war film is inherently pro-war in some way because showing war on screen itself is inherently exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel kind of similarly with, with true crime. Is You know, you just you can't get away from a certain amount of sensationalism. And I have a really hard time with the glorification or glamorization of crime and criminal activities, especially in regards to murder and especially in regards to violence against women, mm-hmm. um, where the criminal um, sometimes overshadows um, the tragedy of the victims themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not every true crime narrative. And so I'm I'm a lot much more likely to engage in a true crime narrative that's about like a bank robbery mm-hmm. <laughs> than I am that's about like a, you know, serial rapist. I guess um Karina Longworth's follow-up to the Manson stuff, the Dead Blonde series, there's also a mm-hmm. element of crime in there mm-hmm. too because some of them came to bad ends. Yeah, and I I was a big fan of you must remember this before she um incorporated an aspect of of true crime and i was really nervous about it because the last thing that i personally wanted you know in my entertainment is more about the manson murders like Mm -hmm. i just i have a really hard time with that story um i just think everything about it (laughs) breaks my heart um and and i find a, a lot of stuff about manson tends to you know helter skelter i think is the best-selling true crime novel of all time, followed by In Cold Blood. Yeah, not a novel, but like a a uh, yeah. true crime book. Yeah. Yeah, I think Helter Skelter's pretty high up there. And I just, like, personally, I, I think there's so much out there about Manson that I just... And so much glorification mm-hmm. um, that I just... I didn't need more of it in my life, but I, I would actually recommend her analysis. Yeah, it's probably, what, letters. four hours long with all the episodes? Probably 12, 14 episodes long. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe even more than four hours long. Yeah. It's it's quite a long um, a, a quite a long uh, twist story, and she examines mm-hmm. all the angles you could possibly think of, and I think she does a really good job. And she's very respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and well, I I did listen to the first season of Serial, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think partly because uh, the tone of that again is very it's inquisitive, but it's not exploitative, and so mm-hmm. you know it. There's good stuff out there for sure, and I would love any recommendations that anyone has for me. Um, again, it just it, it takes a lot for me to hit play on that stuff sometimes, um, or to pick up a book, um, or to sit down and watch a movie. Now, I think true crime is inherently a non-fiction genre. Um, it's right there in the title, true crime, obviously, and it's uh, an analysis of a crime or a series of crimes. Um, and an attempt to, I think, understand what happened, but to also find um, meaning in in what happened. And the best true crime narratives uh, say something larger about our society, how we process grief, you know, how um, factors let you know these these things happen. What it has to say about the time period, what it has to say about the culture, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so, but we're going to be talking about 
fictionalized films. So they're mm-hmm. films inspired by true great cases. They are not documentaries. But they are not documentaries. And so there is a, uh, you know, there, there's a fictionalization happening here. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be pretty clear about that on the onset. That being said, I think you can still kind of discuss them in the milieu of true crime. And I mean, cinema has a long history of making movies inspired from real life events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm curious, Matt, what are your, some of your favorite, maybe non Bollywood true crime films? I have three and a half of them. You have three and a half, wow. Yeah. Um, and I think you're probably going to share one with me. Mm-hmm. And that one is Zodiac. Oh, I do love Zodiac. David Fincher's Zodiac. Zodiac is, is amazing. A yeah. pretty amazing film about the Zodiac killer. And I think it does uh, alleviate your concern about glamorizing the killer. Yeah. In that, in taking the uh, victim statements from people who survived the Zodiac and how everything was kind of different. Mm-hmm. There's a different person playing the Zodiac each time, different voice, different um, methods of things going down. And... Um, what happens is it, it is uh, much like a Talvar, which we're going to speak about in a mm-hmm. moment. It's people's recollections of things. And without a strong you know, ma- maniac at the center that mm-hmm. could conceivably be an attractive character to some people, instead, you don't really know anything about the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. And you're in the same uh, boat as the uh, reporters who are trying to find him. Mm-hmm. You're just confounded and annoyed by the guy. I think the thing that I really love about Zodiac is that it's largely about the um, attraction and obsession that people have with wanting to understand these events. Yeah, and they there's want- some things that you we will never understand. Yeah, yeah. And it's so too it's, complicated. It's very much about the fascination that that people have with, with crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, just a brief overview of what that movie is. It's uh, about the Zodiac Killer who was operating in uh, California in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, he would kill people seemingly at random, and then he would taunt the police mm-hmm. and uh, the, I think it's the San Francisco Chronicle that mm-hmm. the main guy worked at by sending them weird codes mm-hmm. and uh, letters to the editor and uh, talking on a call in TV program. And it's one of the great unsolved mysteries of the 20th century in America. Yeah. Um, Dirty Harry was also inspired by the same case. Yeah, they have uh, that guy named Scorpio. Yeah. And I think it is to the States what uh, the Raman Ragov murder mm. was probably to India. Mm. Just a just a, just a shocking act of violence that kind of crippled mm. uh, law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, my second is uh, potentially more up your alley than a serial killer. It's uh, Mayreen. Part one and two. Oh, yes. You love these. So this is a two-part document, not a documentary, but a biography of this uh, famous French bank robber. Played by Vincent Cassell. Really not a documentary. Yeah. And um, he operated in, uh, he he served in Algeria in the 50s in the French army. And he came back to France and started robbing banks. And uh, he eventually came to Canada and robbed some banks there and met your favorite Canadian actor along the way. Wadu Pui? Yeah. Yeah. He also features in the movie. And he kind of gets wrapped up in the FLQ, too. Yeah. So it, it ties into my inherent Canadian nationalism <laughs> by uh, presenting something I didn't really know about, but you know, ties into things I learned at mm-hmm. school. And uh, Vincent Cassell is a really interesting uh, character Yeah. Uh, in the film. Um, oh, I thought of another one, too. Okay, so that was my one and a half. Okay. Was that. Um, 
And your third one? My third one is Olivier Assayas's Carlos. Okay, yes. Which I think counts as a true crime, even though he's more of a terrorist. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the story of Carlos the Jackal. It's uh, like a three and a half hour long movie. It's Bollywood length, actually. <laughs> about a uh, international terrorist who hijacked things and uh, blew things up during the 70s. So, very interesting portrait of this strange man. Mm-hmm. And finally, one I actually haven't finished yet, and is a documentary. It's I'm going to call it True Crime for purposes of this, but is O.J. Made in America. Oh, of course. Which, I've only watched half of it so far, but just encapsulating the era and the idea of being black in mm. Los Angeles uh, from the 70s to the 90s, I think it really... Gets you in the shoes of the, the area. Tries to get you to figure out, like, well, what did this mean to people? And yeah. I, was, I was very young when the OJ case happened, but I remember seeing some of it on TV. I remember seeing the the, mm-hmm. the chase in his white Bronco. So getting more of a background as to why that happened. Who was he? You know, mm-hmm. I, I only knew him because of the Naked Gun movies. I didn't. I never watched sports. I didn't know why he was so famous. So actually finding out why and seeing why he was so beloved was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with all of those. Um, but I would also add um, my favorite uh, true crime films, uh, Heavenly Creatures oh, yeah. from uh, Peter Jackson, which is about uh, two teenage girls in, in New Zealand. And I believe it's the 1950s mm-hmm. um, who murder one of their mothers. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure how accurate the film is but it's this really kind of fascinating film about these two young girls played by melanie linsky and kate winslet and this bond that they form with one another and how obsessed they become with one another and they kill one of their mothers out of the kind of idea that um the threat that they'll be separated Mm. um and it's really like it's just it's a you know if you only know peter jackson from Lord of the Rings. It's worth it to to go back and, and see some of his earlier work because this, I think this is the best thing he's ever done. It's probably the most artfully directed of any of the movies we're going to talk about. Oh today. yeah. Um, Although Zodiac has some pretty mm-hmm. um, you know slam dunk moments mm-hmm. as well. Uh, another film that I really love is a South Korean film directed by Park Chan Wook called Memories of a Murder. Well, that's based in real life. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was a good one. And it is adapted from a play, but it is a it is a true story. Um, and it's about a police officer who comes to kind of this uh, rural town in Korea, um, and he's investigating this uh, serial killer, one of South Korea's first. Um, it's a very it, it's a, it's about the the investigation, and, and again the the serial killer is kind of playing with them in a way, and, and more murders happen while he's there, and it's just it's this really lovely. Well, no, lovely is the wrong world. It's this really just kind of it's picturesque, rich, yeah. rich film. Um, just about the kind of um, slipperiness of finding out the truth. A lot like Talvar, actually. Yeah, it is similar to Talvar. Um, and then I'd also recommend uh, Dear Zachary, which is a movie. Oh, man. That's a, that is a documentary. That's a documentary, but um, holy cow. And that's a movie that'll destroy you, um, but yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'll also give a shout out to From Hell. Not the movie version, oh, okay, yeah. but the comic book. Yeah. Because what Alan Moore does in that book is amazing. Yeah. Just gets you into the feeling of the Victorian era mm-hmm. and why this could have happened. The movie was okay, but there's no way that a two-hour <laughs> film could encapsulate that. nothing like the book. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, if you've seen the movie, try the book. It's it's way better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, as you can see, like it, it's not that surprising that true crime has become so popular in podcasting mm-hmm. because it is very, very rich. It has a journalistic uh, sense to it that you can follow along mm-hmm. as the investigator learns what's happening. And in the very intimate realm of podcasting, people yeah. seem to like, you know, gathering a bunch of evidence, hearing testimony, that kind yeah. of thing that, you know, works well on film. But it seems like it's really touching a chord in uh, podcasting. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like people like mysteries and when that mystery is you know, given a level of authenticity, you know, I think it, it becomes very interesting. And I, I think the other reason why it's doing so well is because there's a lot of really well-produced <laughs> podcasts out there that are um, dabbling in this genre. And it, it's serial this, really, oh, yeah. like it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I think there was a few true crime hobbyist mm-hmm. type shows like ours, <laughs> not, you know, professionally done right. juggernauts of the podcast world, but it really opened the doors. And then you get people like the CBC coming in right, and digging up old cold cases and making a show out of it. Well, and even one of the, the films that we're going to talk about, the case that it's based on, there's also been a podcast uh, and a professional podcast produced mm. about it. Um, so I bet I know which one it is. <laughs> this is a show uh, about Bollywood, so we should uh, we should get back to, to talking about Bollywood. Um, so we're going to talk about two films, um, both um, that center on murders. Um, they're not the only Bollywood true crime films, but they're certainly two of the um, best regarded and current ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are you know a fair number of others, um, and I have a, a short list here. So those. Yeah, Rasta Hein PR Key. I probably butchered that. Um, and Rustam, those are both based on um, the same case of a naval officer murdering his wife's lover. Did we talk about Rustam? Did we talk about that at the end of the year last yeah. time? Yeah. yeah. I, I liked Rustam. Yeah. It was an interesting movie. And I'd be interested to go back to, to this previous film, Yeah, Rasta Hein PR Key. Mm-hmm. Um, which came out much, much earlier, I believe, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd be interested in seeing how those two compare. Um, Ponch, which is uh, Anya Kashyap's first film that's mm-hmm. been unreleased. Uh, we have no way of seeing it. It's, you know, never got past the censor board in India. It's never been had a theatrical release, hmm. though it did play at some film festivals. Um, and there the, might be extra legal means to find that one, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, he also did Black Friday, which is available, um, but it's about the Bombay bombing, so we decided it was maybe a bit more of a terrorist film. We will probably get to that one at some point, just because we like Cash yeah. so much. We're going to watch all of his work that we can find. Yeah. Uh, shootout at La Kandawala, um, which is about like a crazy shootout between um, a group of criminals and the police. There's also a shootout at Wadala, right? Yeah. That's the other one? There's also a shootout at Wadala. A lot of shootouts. <laughs> The Stone Man Murders, Murders, The Stone Man Murders, Once Upon a Time in Mumbai, which is a gangster picture, Special 26, and uh, Not a Love Story from uh, Ram Gopal Varma. Not the, you know, Studio B Canadian feminist film about pornography, but oh, okay. a, a true crime film from, from Ram Gopal Varma. Is the other Once Upon a Time in Mumbai movie uh, true crime as the well? Bar, I believe to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so it's it's uh, fairly common, actually. Lots of, lots of these in Bollywood of recent. Well, and we we had, we talked about that Randy Puda film too. That was uh, oh yeah about the the bikini killer, the serial killer. What was that called again? Maine or Charles? Yeah, Maine or Charles. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they, it, it's it's a genre that uh, that you know is is pretty alive and well in in Bollywood. I think. And know, the idea behind Ram and Raghav was supposed to be doing the original mm-hmm. murders as well, but they ran into budgetary concerns yeah. or something, so they turned it into a modern day. Uh, evocation of that guy. And there's a lot of gangs of Wasi 4 that is also based on real life events. So, you know, Cash App clearly yeah. really likes. <laughs> and you're also, you know, moving in between true crime and gangster movies. There's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap. Yeah, exactly. So we chose these two partly because they both focused on murders and the investigations. So they're, they're, they're pretty tight mm-hmm. uh, in their scope and in their focus. And to me... Um, are the truest mm-hmm. form of a kind of a, a true crime narrative that we've seen in Bollywood cinema. One focusing on the investigative aspect and one more on the legal aspect, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So our first one is uh, No One Killed Jessica from 2011. Why don't you set this up for us, Matt? Sure. No One Killed Jessica was directed by Raj Kumar Gupta and was based on the murder of Jessica Lal by Manu Sharma. Uh, stars Rani Mukherjee, Vidya Balan, Myra Karn, Neil Bupalam, and was nominated for Best Film, Best Director, Best Actress at the Filmfare Awards, and won Best Supporting Actress. Now, this it was me. a critical success for some reason. This surprises me. Rani Mukherjee won for Best Supporting Actress, but I think she has more screen time than Vidya Balan. Hmm. It would be close between the two of them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. They're either co-leads... They're co-leads. Like, there's yeah. no way that Rainy Mukherjee is the supporting actress in this film, but yeah. whatever. So, uh, the movie takes place after the murder of Jessica Lal. She's uh, working at a bar, and uh, a a uh, patron mm-hmm. uh, shows up and wants to buy a drink after the bar is closed. They get into an argument, and he shoots her in the face. Yeah. Um, but what happens afterwards is that you find out is that the killer was uh, the son of an MP. Mm-hmm. So he's got friends in high places, lots of money, and is able to buy off all the witnesses, all 300 of them, mm-hmm. who are at the place. And manipulate law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the title actually comes from a newspaper title when the uh, case was called a mistrial. Mm-hmm. Was it a mistrial or was he just called? Found he was acquitted. He was acquitted. There wasn't enough evidence. Yeah. There. And what the newspaper said is no one killed Jessica because the evidence was tampered with mm-hmm. and no one could uh, figure it out. But what happens afterwards is Rani Mukherjee playing a, uh, um investigative uh, TV reporter and uh, Vidya Balan playing uh, Jessica's older sister, mm-hmm. they work together to raise public interest in the case again and to go over the evidence and kind of play with people's testimonies and figure out how they got uh, the screws put into them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, I'm not going to say what happens, but... Uh, well, this- it is a true story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's a look at how money and power mm-hmm. can, you know impede justice but then the power of the people can kind of come back and help mm-hmm. i thought this movie's intentions were in the right place but mm-hmm. i found it a very frustrating and dull watch um i think this is a very interesting story um and it's it's a case that deserves recognition and deserves um, to be discussed mm-hmm. but i just felt that this film went about it in the most obvious way possible. It didn't try to do anything cinematically. No. 
um, you were talking about beautiful creatures. There's all kinds of interesting ways mm-hmm. in which the movie plays with fantasy and reality for those kids. And in this one, you just get a hard cut to Vidya Balan remembering what her sister is like in a similar situation, mm-hmm. what she's currently doing, and then back to the present where she's gone. Um, you don't really get to know Jessica at all, no. even through all these, because she's just a feisty kid that everyone liked. But you don't really know why did she need to work at this bar, for instance. Yeah, uh, She's a model, but you don't see her modeling. It was some sort of celebrity bartending event. Mm. Um, and I will say for anyone who wants to know more about these cases, we will leave links to the Wikipedia articles that do discuss them further. Mm-hmm. But we're going to focus our discussion on the films. Yeah. So, like, you don't actually get a sense of how famous she was as a model. No. Uh, not through the film, anyway. And I feel like just telling this story in straight sequential order with mm-hmm. these small flashbacks is just about the most boring and straightforward way of doing this. Yeah. There's just... There's not a lot of tension um, throughout the film, we always know who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's never this question about, you know, the nature of the truth, um, mm-hmm. which I find... Um, Pink did really well. Yeah, yeah. And and I find, you know, the, the, those questions that we have around um, truth and justice, you know, that that's, that's kind of what drives a lot of true crime narratives. And here you just, you know, you feel, you feel the injustice and you always know kind of what really happened. And you're just kind of, you know, going through these motions of, you know, what was you know, some frustrating years of um, being trapped in the system. Basically, the only scene I like... being trapped in the system, you yeah. know, again, didn't feel cinematic it just you know it just felt like we were going through the motion it felt like a tv movie yeah oh yeah yeah exactly Um, the only thing i really liked in it and this is a calculated really liked Uh was the actual first 10 minutes of the movie where she gets killed right because yeah that's a great scene it at least tries to do something interesting with uh Presumably an unlicensed uh, use of uh, Iggy Pop's <laughs> Lust for Life. Yeah. Where they play this song and everyone is dancing. And meanwhile, uh, in the back room, Jessica is getting shot. And it kind of juxtaposes people not hearing. Uh, her friend runs out and says, Jessica's been shot. Jessica's been shot. And no one can hear him say it over the music. So, it, I mean, it's not exactly... Um, Scorsese moving through the Copacabana in Goodfellas or something. But it is an interesting environmental use of music and yeah. uh, staging to look at an event. Uh, there is nothing afterwards that resembles any sort of directorial interest in the story. Yeah, and that opening scene made me think that we weren't going to be in for a good movie. Yeah, it was, it it, was a solid scene. I was interested, really? but then it just grinds to a halt. And uh, My- Myra Karn, who plays Jessica, uh, is really impactful. Um, she reminded me a lot of like uh, Jennifer Lopez's performance of Selena in Selena, and not just because they're both... Um, they both got shot? They both got yeah. Um, but because she just like, she had a very similar look. But we don't know anything um, about her though. Like, similar... why do we care? We, it's, it's sad that she got shot, but like, yeah. you know, we don't actually care about her as a person whatsoever. I didn't anyway. Yeah. I mean, the film, I think the film could have told us more about her, which is again, as, as you've heard me say, like one of my problems with a lot of true crime stories is it focuses um, you know, more on 
um, the criminals than often. This one didn't even focus on the criminal, though. It was just about her boring-ass sister. (laughs) This movie reminded me most of Sarjeet, uh, Mm -hmm. which is also about a sister trying to erase an injustice done to her uh, family member. And at least in that one... um, you could see her kind of gaining allies in the system, and then there's the interplay between India and Pakistan and how right. events um, over the course of the years that she worked on this kind of helped her out, then they got her in her way. Uh, no One Killed Jessica starts off with a pretty interminable monologue by Rennie Mukherjee talking about how Delhi is a place where power rules right. and, you know, oh, in the big city, it'll chew you up. And she's an investigative reporter who just got back from the Indo-Pak war, but the real war was at home. And that sets up a much more noir, dangerous world than we get in the film. I mean, there's a little bit of political intrigue and maybe a little bit of people getting menaced into, you know, giving up their uh, their uh, testimony but really, it doesn't seem that bad. It it, it seems like a TV movie. It right. takes place in people's houses, in people's offices, and yeah, it's nothing for, nothing worth uh, making a movie about. Which is sad because the story is actually very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think of Rani Mukherjee's performance? Uh, I enjoyed that she swore a lot. Yeah, I that was that really <laughs> that was really out of character for a Hindi film is having someone uh, say the f word almost every scene mm-hmm. that was really interesting and then the subtitles were generally not uh, <laughs> not bringing that across to us which was funny as well but uh yeah she could have been any reporter she could have been lois lane yeah like it wasn't there wasn't anything about this reporter that was of interest like she kind of you see a little bit of her sex life but eh, nothing yeah and and it, she kind of like she ignores the case for a really long time um, until she finally picks it up and she's the one that can kind of bring media attention to it and make people kind of, you know, protest in the streets about the injustice. And this but is pretty I cynical, wish... but there's no hard edge to her. There's no, no, like, this is the thing that gets me ahead. I'll, exactly. I'll use this case to, you know, make my show more interesting. You don't get any of that. She's just as annoyed by this injustice as anyone else rather than using it to her purposes. I'm not saying that the actual person did that, but that would have well, been interesting. And, like, there isn't... You don't really feel, like, a drive or, like, an inciting incident that makes her really want to... You know, she's proven wrong because she says, you know, early on in the film, like, oh, he's obviously going to go to jail. And then she's proven wrong, and that's the thing that kind of, you know, drives her. But you just... I don't know. Like, I, I think Randy Mukherjee does a good job with the role. I just think the role is thin. It's sort of like... I think with uh, Mary Com as well, where when you're doing a when you're doing a uh, biopic about something that actually happened, where there's mm-hmm. still a lot of interest in the country, there's a reluctance to have any um, hard edges to the main characters. Right. You you just want to see them being completely just wonderful people who are not in it for themselves in any way. Mm-hmm. They are just pure avatars of justice. And, again, that might be true. I don't know. But it doesn't make for a very interesting film. No. And I think I think this is an interesting story. I think the director could have done something very powerful with it. I just don't think this is it. Or at least it didn't have a strong impact on me. Movie's got a great poster, though. It does. Yeah. It's a great-looking poster. Um, and Vidya Balan, she uh, lost the film for award for Best Actress uh, for this film and won it 
for the dirty picture. So, same year? Same year. I mean, um, I, I will <laughs> say you would not uh, recognize Vidya Balan in this movie after having watched the dirty picture. She's uh, mousy, but also kind of yeah. angry. She's a completely different person than some of the more outsized roles you've seen her in. So, I mean, she does a pretty good job with the material. Yeah, I mean, again, like, because she has to carry the emotional weight of this film. She has to, it's her memories and her um, grief that, you know, make you care about Jessica. I just feel like, you know, I feel like the movie around uh, Vidya Balan and, and Randy Mukherjee should have been doing more weight to, you know, kind of elevate these performances and, and and just kind of bring a sense of connection and a sense of meaning to you know what was going on. You don't even really hate the lawyer. I mean, I really hated the guy in Pink. He was a real piece <laughs> of shit. But the guy in this one, he's just a high priced lawyer who's figured out how he's gonna right. solve the like get the case for the kid. And yeah, it doesn't even do that right. Okay. Um. So I think that's uh, interval time, mm-hmm. and we are going to play a song from Talvar, which we. Spoiler alert, liked a lot better than uh, <laughs> No One Killed Jessica. So this is Insaf, which is apparently Vishal Bardwaj did the song. Uh, yeah, he wrote the script for Talva. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, Insaf. Just <laughs> And that was Insaf from Talvar. And Talvar came out in 2015. It premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, Toronto, where we just were, and we went to the Tiff Bell Lightbox. So, you know, maybe we sat in one of the theaters that Irfan Khan also sat in. Maybe I didn't go, but uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you've been. I've been before, yeah. And maybe you sat in the same seat. It's possible. It's certainly possible. <laughs> uh, at TIFF, it premiered under the title Guilty, which is also the title it's available under on Netflix. Uh, it's a very generic title. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talvar, I think, is much better. It means sword. And there's a kind of speech in the middle of the film about the sword of justice, which kind of reflects the larger themes of the film and and the title. And I think that's a much better title. Guilty is just very it's it's generic. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't tell us anything. Conceivably every crime movie could be called guilty. Yeah, yeah. It just it doesn't it doesn't really, I think, um, draw you in. Uh, it's directed by Megna Golzar. And it's uh, based on the Noida double murder case. Um, it's one of two films that came out in 2015 based on this case. The other was um, Rahasia, um, which uh, was not as quit- critically well received. Um, if you're really interested in how this film compares to that film, uh, Shasha Heed at the Split Screen Podcast did a whole episode on mm-hmm. these two films. And uh, so I would recommend listening to that. Uh, there's also a, a podcast about the case, if you know, if you're really interested. Um, it's available on Savon and some other platforms. It's called uh, Trial by Error, the Arushi Files, um, and it covers the, the case and the investigation and kind of the ongoing questions that people have surrounding this case. Uh, it stars Irfan Khan, Konkana San Sharma, Niraj Kabi, Soham Shah and Tabu. This is, I mean, this cast is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, anytime that you have Irfan Khan and then also Kankana San Sharma, I think 
There's a bunch of great you know, character actors in this too. Oh, we, were, yeah. we were constantly looking up like, hey, I've seen that guy before. Yeah. Turns out they were in something good before. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for five Filmfare Awards, including Best Film and Best Director. It did pick up a couple, but none of the big ones. However, Vishal Bardwaj, uh, uh, a director and a and writer we're quite fond of here on the show. Renaissance man. Yeah. Won for Best Screenplay at the National Film Awards. Uh, it also picked up Best <laughs> Audiography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Maybe it means uh, sound design. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it, it, the, the, the film was great sound design. Yeah. Yeah. I can never pick out sound design. Sound edit, like, those are always tough at the Oscars. Yeah. But I, I can see why this film would pick up a lot of technical awards because, um, as far as those kind of like below the line categories, um, Everything about this movie is so well done, you know, from the editing and the cinematography to the sound design. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you really feel like you're watching a well-put-together picture. Um, and all the above-the-line names are also excellent. You know, it's well-directed. It's well-acted. Um, it's been compared many times to Rashmon, uh, one of my all-time favorite films, which I don't think is entirely apt, but does kind of help explain... Um, one of the central kind of conceits throughout the film. So um, you see three investigations of this case. In each investigation, you see uh, what potentially happened. So you see three different versions of how things potentially went down. So the case itself is about uh, a young girl. Is Her parents find her murdered in her bed one morning. They're letting their maid in, and the housekeeper who usually lets her in is missing, so they throw the keys down to her from from their balcony, and when the maid gets in, the parents are freaking out because they've discovered their daughter is murdered. They call the police, the police shows up, they immediately think that obviously it's the housekeeper because he's missing, who must have done this. The parents immediately point fingers towards the housekeeper. Uh, Everyone carries on under the... Um, assumption that that's what's happened until the next day the body of the housekeeper is found decomposing on the terrace and it becomes very clear that he was killed the same night as their daughter and the case becomes much more complicated Mm -hmm. the kind of local police officers that first arrive on scene um, mess it up they uh, allow family members and the media to kind of trample through the crime scene and don't take proper care of the evidence. So then the C- CDI or CID? I think it's CID. CID uh, is brought in, which is kind of the, for more understanding, the Indian equivalent of like the FBI. Yeah, they're the, the crime investigation department um, in India. And Irfan Khan heads up the uh, the second investigation that we see, and he comes to a different conclusion than the than the cops who were first on on site. So the cops who were first on site, um, they believe that the father's responsible, the parents are responsible. It's an honor killing. Irfan Khan comes in and he kind of digs a little deeper and <laughs> starts to realize that some of the kind of um, local um, servants um, that kind of knew the family and knew the housekeeper might be spinning tails and he puts them under narco tests, lie detector tests and figures out that potentially some of them were in the house that night and killed her 
and the housekeeper. His evidence is inconclusive. They can't try the case. He's kind of booted off of it um, because it's been found out that he's been uh, co- coercing and uh, beating um, some one of the witnesses. Which is weird because in almost every single yeah. depiction of uh, uh, Indian cops I've ever seen, like... Mm. Coercing witnesses into testimony is not entirely unheard of. Yeah. Let's say. So then another investigator is brought in to take over the case, and he comes to a different conclusion, one that fingers the parents again. Um, He believes that the housekeeper and the teen girl were potentially having an affair and that the the father murdered them um, in kind of... You know, when he discovered this. In flagrante delicto, as they say. Yes. Um, And again, you know, after this third investigation, there isn't really enough evidence to convict, but they go ahead with a conviction anyways. And like I said, this is a real case, so you can look up what happened. But Matt, you didn't know going in kind of what the outcome was going to be, and I think it shocked you. Yeah, I was pretty mad, actually. Yeah. I didn't realize, and maybe if I watch it again, I might do this, but... It is extremely careful in every single sequence of events up until the cops show up for the first time. Right. Because you look at those, you look at the geography of the house. You look mm-hmm. at every single uh, action that all the participants there do that did afterwards. You look at that over and over again. And I feel like it's intentionally trying to tell you that, you know, human beings are infallible. Yeah. You can have all the evidence at hand and you can make any sort of conclusion you want out of it Mm -hmm. and we go back to every single little piece over and over again and i have no idea who did it yeah no one has any idea who did it and all the arguments are pretty sound you could you know yeah it's pretty easy to see any of those happening i think maybe the 15 year old girl and the older caretaker having affairs a bit off but um, you know, the father might have thought that there might have been something else going on in there. Sure, whatever. But uh, there's, it's the truth can be spun. What is truth, honestly? That's that's what this movie tells you. It can be spun into exactly. anything you want, and depending on the political mores or the way a department wants to be seen, yeah, it can turn into any sort of case you want. So. Um, it's not one to watch if you're extremely um, insistent that uh, cops are upstanding individuals <laughs> who don't manufacture evidence. It's closer to a noir story where yes. um, you have your you have your intended uh, um, suspect, and then you put the dot you put two and two together to figure out well how did he do it. I really like this film because I feel like Golzar and Bardwaj are using it as a as, as a jumping off point to discuss larger things, um, you know, about um, bureaucracy and about mm-hmm. how people's um, egos and, you know, their, their desire to be seen as successful um, oftentimes get in the way of the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. About, like, like you said, the slipperiness of the truth, the impossibility of ever knowing what happened. Um, the fallibility of human beings mm-hmm. um, in in remembering in kind of um, in, in in basic due diligence, mm-hmm. you know, and and the 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 injustice um, of you know the the whole 
scenario, both, you know, that this young girl and this, this older man, um, losing their lives and us having no understanding as to why, mm-hmm. you know, and how finding meaning is elusive. And so I see all of that stuff going on in this film. I know one um, thing you particularly don't like about crime movies is that you get a genius killer right. who has figured out ingenious, like an amazing clockwork mechanism of, you know, I'll pay this person off or I'll um, wear this hat and I'll go in there and I'll kill this person. And when in fact most crimes are just crimes of passion mm-hmm. and there's no... Um, reasoning put into why this is going to happen. And I think this shows you what it's probably like most of the time. Yeah. Just something weird happened. Someone killed someone else. And you'll never actually know why. It's mm-hmm. not a clockwork device of no. uh, meticulous murder. It's actually just something Something went wrong. And I wouldn't say that I don't, you know, that I don't You don't always... like that that's glorified. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, I am someone who loves revenge films, so I do sometimes like, you know, a really intricately like mm-hmm. played out revenge plot. Um, but it's true. That's something I really admire about this film is that, you know, it doesn't have this kind of overarching idea of, you know, of how this murder was executed. And it, it's not a whodunit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more about the complexities of, of finding truth and meaning in in these events and it's the movie's so yeah you can't things happen for no reason whatsoever and the movie is so well done that you really do want to believe um you know i think the conclusions that it reaches i thought arfon had him dead to rights and then the next guy shows up and yeah you know maybe he found some good stuff as well and it was really well received uh critically but a lot of critics uh seem to take issue with the fact that it does uh, have its sympathies lying with the parents, mm-hmm. um, which I I don't fault the film for. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still think you their, know their this, child did die. Yeah, and I still think that despite the fact that, that the film clearly has a bias. I mean, I think the film sides with um, the second sequence of events. Yeah, Irfan. Irfan's Irfan's um, case seems the most thought out. Yeah, it's just that he maybe uses some extra legal means to figure mm-hmm. it out. And I really like that. You know, he is not a good guy hero. He is not some honorable detective. He comes in and he thinks he figures it out, but he still uses shady means to do so. Mm-hmm. And they don't paint him to be some sort of great guy. Like, no one is a hero in this film. He's also uh, divorcing Tabu as well. Yeah. Which is the thing I think the movie could probably drop. It is a little bit long. Yeah. And... I do like that Irfan is kind of our... our our protagonist throughout and I like that it kind of opens with him not really like being you know invested in all of this and then we kind of go back to the discovery and and then he gets pulled into it and um (laughs) I mean he's trying to he's trying to finish the case before his uh and 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 come up with a solution and crack it before his uh superior retires because his superior kind of wants that Mm -hmm. as part of his legacy and he also just kind of seems more annoyed by anything like if you were working on this case for years this takes yeah you would get entirely frustrated by it and there's only so long a burning sense of justice is going to be there and after that it's it's your job yeah and some people are better at their job than others i think this is one of the most nuanced bollywood films i've ever seen yeah again like it is 
all shades of gray. Without being a five-hour-long gangster epic, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really engaging. It's really engrossing. And, you know, I think you really, you know, again, as each kind of uh, scenario presents itself, you really do start to think about, you know, like, okay, so how... How did that liquor bottle get there? You doubt your and own memories stay- too. Oh yeah, yeah, you really do. And it just and I think they lay out the details really really well. So every time that you return to some of those details like the liquor bottle, like how loud the uh, air conditioning is, mm-hmm. like the song that's playing on the pop channel that they're watching, you know, as they lay all those things out, every time you return to them, you kind of, you know, you're, you're following all those threats, but it's not in like a really clever, you know, Christie or Sherlock Holmes whodunit kind of scenario because it's mm-hmm. real life and it's a lot more complicated than that. It's probably the movie where... You could use in a university class to teach about mise-en-scene. Right. Oh, yeah. say, you know, keep an eye on where everything is in this room, and this will be important later. But also, it won't be important later. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's it's a film. And as much as it attempts to replicate reality, it's also a constructed reality that the director and the set designer and everyone put together. So you're also kind of learning about the way that stories are constructed, too. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the exploration of um, class and the media in this film? I think it was um, the class thing was really interesting. The uh, housekeeper is definitely a lot uh, more downtrodden than his rich, uh, yeah. um, uh, his rich employers. He's he, Nepalese. Yeah, he's Nepalese. So there's, um, there's some stuff here about immigrant workers. Yeah, there's a bit of a racial element to um, some of the other workers tell uh, Irfan that they're going to talk to their uh, benevolent organization about him and say, you know, you're being racist against Nepalese people. I mean, I think it delves into that as much as it needs to. Yeah. It really could have gone down a rabbit hole on them, too. Um, I but, feel the same way about its um, representation of the media. So there's kind of, there's yeah. a scene where there's a, like, talk show panel and they're criticizing um, Kankana Sancharma, she plays the mother, they're criticizing her reaction to things. And mm-hmm. and. And, you know, saying, like, oh, she she wasn't upset enough. And it's very, like, it's very Gone Girl in that moment. Well, yeah, um, any of those elements could be a movie on their own. And yeah. it wisely doesn't dwell on any of them too long to make its wider story. Mm-hmm. But you could have, like, uh, like No One Killed Jessica, you could have a film that is more focused on how the media covered the case. Or but you could me- have a movie about the... The, the trials and how yeah. that worked, whereas this kind of encompasses a little bit of everything, and I think it does a great job. Yeah, and the media is a bit more, like here, it just it seems a bit more, dare I say, realistic, mm-hmm. because, you know, you kind of, you have the reporters outside of their apartment as soon as they find out, and this, I mean, this case was widely covered in India, it was very shocking, because um, it's a middle class family, and you know, then this kind of stuff doesn't happen to middle class people. And she died people. right next door to her parents. Oh yeah. No matter what they could um, say, you know, if if the parents did it, that kind of points to that. But they have a really loud air conditioner, yeah. and you know, you get evidence to that effect too. But having someone die literally steps away from you is going to be traumatic, regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think you get a lot more of a sense of the media kind of you know trying to spin things or like get the scoop and get the story. Also, there's a CBC reporter. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um, I didn't really know they reported on stuff over there, but uh, it was international news. So. The CBC logo is iconic for us Canadians. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you see it, you immediately know. 
Yeah, um, nationalistic pride swells in our breast. <laughs> yeah. As we see that circle with a bunch of other circles. <laughs> I love this movie. I think it's excellent. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It's probably one of the best movies we've ever talked about for this show. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to my employee today, and she really likes true crime. And I said, you got to check this one out. It's... It's kind of infuriating if you're a person who wants to know what happened. Right. Which I think is behind a lot of true crime. But if you're just a person who likes a movie based on real life that also tries to replicate how messy real life is, I think this is definitely up yeah. their alley. So and I th- we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know what Claire thinks of it. Well, yeah. And I, I think it's potentially a film that people who aren't generally interested in Bollywood could get into. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if my parents watch it after they, they couldn't get through Airlift, but maybe maybe they could get through Telvar. It it's a lot, have, less, it's like, a lot less traditional than Airlift. It's not as stirring. Yeah. It's but there just, is kind of a, um, I don't think this was, a, was it in Mumbai? Maybe. But there is a kind of really dingy Mumbai noir aesthetic that I think this gets at. Raman Raghav, mm-hmm. Ugly. There's a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I was to write a book, I would maybe focus on the Hindi film uh, noir aesthetic because right. you get a lot of late night uh, eateries and um, uh, LED lights instead of neon mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I, I think it's very interesting. Um, Dev D, too. I guess a lot of Cash App movies. But uh, cinematically, there's some other stuff going on there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as the name would suggest, it took place in Noida. Noida, yeah. Um, but um, I think I think you're right in that, again, it has that, that Mumbai. There's a texture. Yeah, that Mumbai noir feel. And I, I think Mumbai noir refers to not just you know the places, the place where the films are set, but also the place where the films are made, mm-hmm. which is you know Mumbai um, as the you know the center of the Bollywood film industry. Yeah. So yeah, I think we we definitely recommend this film. If you haven't seen it yet, you should get on it because this is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. No one killed Jessica. Eh. If you really like uh, Rani Mukherjee and Vidya Balan, you could probably do worse. I don't know. It, it's a real nothing burger of a movie for me. But but Talvar is really Talvar is like, fantastic. It's, yeah, it's it's something, and it really, I think, touches on um, all those kind of larger kind of questions and ruminations and socio political aspects of true crime that I personally want. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I want something that's not just going to kind of be like here's a murder that took place. I want something that's going to try and tell me something about um, what this says about mm-hmm. um, the people involved, the culture involved, the country involved, the city. It, you mm-hmm. know, it, it tells us something about us as human beings, and, and, that's, and that's what I get from Talbar. Yeah, like all great art, it plums the depths of the human experience. Exactly. So well, there we go. Uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. We will be back in two weeks with a big episode. Mm-hmm. We will be doing our mid-year review for 2017. Weird year in Bollywood so far, actually. It, it is a weird year in Bollywood so far. So we're going to be talking about all the major releases that we've managed to catch up with mm-hmm. um, so far this year and look ahead to kind of what's coming for the rest of the year, hopefully some stuff that's more exciting than what we've had so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just like this time last year, we'd had Uta Punjab. Sultan. Sultan. Um, 
Kapoor and Sons since 1921. You know, like there there's been some real really hits, good movies, some yeah. really kind of exciting stuff. And so far this year, I'm just like hmm. Tishoom as well. I think was summertime, wasn't it, or was it a bit later? It was it was after our mid year review, but yeah, yeah, still a fun actioner. This yeah. It's going to be a weird one, actually, <laughs> this next episode. Um, so that'll be up in a couple weeks. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can find us on Twitter, at BollywoodPod. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-S-E-R. Check it out on Facebook. We got a Facebook group there. Just look at Bollywood is for Lovers. Uh, BollywoodIsForLovers.tumblr.com is the website. And yeah, you can find this uh, show on basically all your streaming type platforms, all your download places. Um, we'd love a five star review uh, or any kind of review. It's been a, it's been a while since we've had an iTunes review. Yeah. So if you like the show, you know, just let us know. That would be very uh, kind of you to do. And give a listen to my other show that I do weekly with Paul Matwichuk. It's called Trash Art in the Movies. Uh, we just did an episode on cycling films, mm-hmm. discussed uh, Breaking Away and Premium Rush. Yeah, and you've done quite a few crime movies in the past, too. Yeah, so if you're interested in Aaron's films. takes on more crime, there's <laughs> lots and lots for you to choose from. Including an episode on Heavenly Creatures, where I talk a lot more about why I love it. Yeah, yeah. If you're interested in that one, check it out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you.